And up top, controlled by Kovalchuk to Kobatar at the right circle. To Kovalchuk, a blast, and he scores. You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the LA Kings. Now, here's your host, James Whitlock. Welcome, Kings fans, to another episode of All the Kings Men weekly update. This is James Whitlock. I'm here with Jesse Cohen. Hey, Jesse, James. How you doing? Good. Thanks for having me on. Ah, thanks for having me on to have you on, <laughs> however that works. So we have a uh, a 500 week. Yeah. That doesn't feel like a 500 week. Uh, I don't know. I mean, they beat Dallas pretty good. Yeah, I guess you could say, but <laughs> nothing compares to the beating taken in Colorado. We'll get to that. Yeah. But uh, um, a, a Minnesota game, 2-2, going mm-hmm. into overtime. and uh, Pretty predictable. Yeah, and, and which is kind of where I felt we would be. I felt we'd probably win that regulation, but, I mean, it, it just looked overall even game. Yeah, Minnesota games are always kind of boring. Throughout. And then uh, the next game with the Stars, that was an interesting uh, interesting day, all in all. Mm-hmm. They uh, came out 2-1 win. Yeah. I don't know if you can count a goaltender performance as part of the Pearson index because, right, they can't score. But, I mean, Jack Campbell and, – and Jack Campbell never actually played for the Stars, but he was drafted by the Stars. Right. He got a lot of stick from Stars fans for not, I don't know, developing quick enough or whatever. And, you know, they got rid of him. And kind of uh, nice to go back home. Yeah. and <laughs> Yeah, his first game in Dallas as, a, as an NHL player. Yeah. I thought, he, you know, he was great. One goal. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of funny uh, – we, we tease about the whole Dallas Stars in the news over the last month yeah. and all the things that are happening there. And it was um, it was interesting to see just kind of that team and where they're at emotionally. And I don't know. I mean, we're having kind of a bad year with the Kings, but not the emotional turmoil that I think they're going through. So Yeah, well, the entire Central Division, except for Winnipeg and Nashville, you know, all year long, and it's not even this year. It's last year and the year before that. I just feel like everybody was in a foot race to be the first one to proclaim the Central Division as the toughest division in hockey. Yeah. Oh, my God, the Central Division. <laughs> five teams in the playoffs. And the Pacific, more like the pathetic, am I right? And it's like every year. And I'm looking at the standings, and I'm going like, I don't know. Minnesota spent a ton of cash on uh, Suter and Parise a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Hasn't turned into anything, right? right? Have they ever been out of the second round? I don't think so. I don't even think they've been into the second round. Dallas, like, okay, they've got Ben and Sagan, but have Spend they a ton of money? Have they ever been out of the first round? Like, right. I don't think so. Or, or if they have, certainly not out of the second round. St. Louis, the closest they came was getting their heads caved in by the Kings. Um, although now that I say that, I think they made it to the conference final one year. But whatever, they're you know everybody knows the Blues. Um, now Chicago's falling off the edge of the cliff, like like the Kings have. And, I mean, Nashville and Winnipeg have been slow builders, but, you know, they belong where they belong. But, yeah, I mean, if if you told me that Minnesota or Dallas would miss the playoffs this year, I wouldn't be terribly surprised by it. Um, even with the incredible top-line talent. That, I mean, we saw the Avs top-line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, obviously, Dallas has their guys and Minnesota has their guys. But I, I'm not worried about any of those teams winning a cup in the next three years. And you bring up Chicago, and and they're you know they're kind of arguably in the same boat we are, and, mm-hmm. and from the same time frame of the heyday, and 
and they're going through some of the similar pains. But, you know, I watched the game with them in the Capitals, and they they seemed to look like they had their stuff together and, and had a pretty good game, like connecting passes. They, I mean, they were always pushing the puck forward. And, uh, and I don't feel like we've seen that from this Kings team where, where the correlation isn't there. The seasons are, but it seems like when they're at their best, they're playing good hockey. And when the Kings have had these moments, it, it seems you almost feel relieved that there is a, a glimpse of, of something good, but it doesn't feel natural. Yeah, well, I think Chicago, <clears throat> I think Chicago actually is the team that all the pundits talk about the Kings as being, right? Like, I'm going to have to look it up real quick. Um, but I know Duncan Keith is actually is old, right? Like, for, for I mean, from a hockey standpoint, right? Obviously, right. he's younger than I am. Um, but, you know, people talk about the Kings and they say, oh, the Kings got old really quickly. And you watch, oh, they're old and slow and blah, 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 blah. Like, like, I don't know what the average age of the two teams are to compare but they've got chicago's got chris kunitz he's 38 duncan keith is 35 cam ward is 34 Corey crawford's 33 brent seabrook's 33 taves and kane are 29 and 30 so okay brown and kopitar might be slightly older than taves and kane but dowdy's significantly younger than keith and you know right. muzzin's younger than seabrook and then and after that it's just a you know, well, who's their third line center? I don't know. Well, who's our third line center? Well, it's Adrian Kempe, but I only know that because I'm a Kings fan. I wouldn't expect anybody outside of Southern yeah. California to know who Adrian Kempe is. He's only got one goal in 17 games or something like that. So yeah. I mean, he's not top of the charts. Nothing, nothing no, that's getting him. Well, he's not going to grab a lot of national attention. news. Yeah, right, exactly. <clears throat> so I mean, yeah, Chicago is, you know, they have older players. And I mean, so do the Kings, right? Fanuf is is also an older player, but Fanuf, but but Fanuf's not Duncan Keith, right? Fanuf right. was never Duncan no. Keith for the Kings. Drew Doughty was your Duncan Keith analog, and he's seven years younger than right, six years considerably. Younger than um, but I mean, yeah, the Kings, you know, they put together the occasional win. Like we've had conversations this year; they beat Winnipeg or Vegas or Colorado, and we go, "All right, that's the." That's, that's the, the team, yeah. Yeah, that's the, you know. <laughs> but, I mean, at this point, with that loss to Ottawa, which was, what, last week, two weeks ago? Two weeks, yeah. You know, and then the loss to Colorado. There's just every every time you think, okay, you know, they win three in a row for the first time in the year, and you're like, oh, great. And then they lose to Vegas, and then they, you know, get their, again, their heads caved in against Tampa. And you're just like, oh, oh, come on, man! And then they beat Edmonton four to nothing. Oh, all right. Now you see, you see yeah. that game against Tampa, and you can kind of call that happening. I mean, what they're, they're but I mean, that was, I mean, it, it is, it is a, a, a bottom of the barrel team playing against a top team, and you can expect to have a, a, a game like that. But a game against Colorado, I don't, I don't see a seven-one game against Colorado. Well, I just think it's. It's just the sort of perfect example, in my mind anyway, of what's really going on this year, mm -hmm. which is that it is not – talent may play a, a role, right? I'm not going to sit here and say that this team's talent is as good as, you know, the 2014 or 12 years. Obviously, it's not. But talent is only a portion of what's going on. 
right? They they have an interim coach who clearly doesn't have a grasp on the locker room, right? I've said repeatedly I'm not going to question specific decisions because I don't know what instructions he's been given, so I can't I can't judge his decision-making process if I don't know what they're trying what they're attempting to achieve. Right? If you tell me that the front office told him you go out there and you try and win every game, then okay, he's a not a good coach. Right. Because <laughs> they're not winning every game. Um if you tell me that that his, his instructions were, you know, guide this ship through the storm and, you know, and and take care of, you know, manage some personalities and and manage minutes and da 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 da, well then all right, it's a different equation. Um I don't usually hear a head coach when he's talking to the media say they in regards to his team. Yeah. And, and I hear that from Willie and uh-huh. instead of we, right. I hear they and this locker room or that that locker room, um, which is odd to me. Like, I'm not used to hearing that from a head coach. And do you think that's part of the whole interim head coach mentality? So this is a terrible analogy and a story that doesn't paint me in a terrific light. <laughs> but I'm going to go on for it anyway. You're a brave man. <laughs> when I was in high school, lo, those many years ago, uh, I was in marching band. As was I. All right. I don't feel as bad anymore. Outstanding. I'm honestly, with you on this one. <laughs> honestly, probably one of my only true regrets in life was joining marching band. <laughs> but anyway, I was in marching band. And we had this band instructor. And, you know, he had been there for I don't know how many years. But he was he was a he was a personality, man. Like, everybody knew him. He was loud. He was flamboyant. He was friendly. He was, I mean, he was great. We loved him. Everybody loved him. You didn't want to disappoint him. Every year, we'd go up to this uh, camp in the mountains, and we'd spend two weeks up there. You know, it was band camp, right? Band everybody, camp. Every, every, one time a band time camp. Band everybody camp. knows, right. So that was it. <laughs> so we'd go, and it was fun, right? And it was loads of fun, and everybody knew each other. And, you know, these were guys that I had grown up with since sixth grade other guys in the band and you know all of us played different instruments and we were all different section leaders right it was like me and the i was the sex saxophone uh section leader uh, i was in sax uh you know the you know my friend was the trumpet section leader and my other friend was the trombones like there was probably like six or seven of us and each of us played a different instrument blah 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 blah, blah. At the end of our junior year the guy retires or he doesn't retire he moves i can't remember why he left but he left and so going into our senior year they were like, here's this new guy. Uh, I forget his name, but he had a mullet. It was 1995, so mullets were not exactly – I mean, they were like – I guess some people thought they were cool. Yeah, yeah. We did not. He did. Uh, we did. We didn't. <laughs> um, but, he, you know, he was like – I. he was this new, new person. Right. right? We had had this routine for three years. We were really good. We would go to competitions. We would win. Right, the school I went to was known for its music program. The there was the band teacher and the orchestra uh, teacher, and they worked in tandem. They're totally different personalities, but it worked. Yeah. You know, and most of us that were in, you know, my little group of friends, we were also in the orchestra, and, and the orchestra would go and win competitions. Like we were really good. Yeah. And we had most of us have been playing music for eight, nine, ten years at that point, and and we thought we were hot stuff. So this new guy comes in, and he's like, "Yeah, we, you know." 
hey, I'm Mr. Cooley Cool, and we're going to do this, and how about if we try that? And we were 18 or 17, and like I said, we thought we were hot stuff, and we revolted against this guy. Like, we literally smug band (laughs) geeks called uh, had the audacity to call a meeting with this guy in his office and we're like let us tell you how this go like how this goes like you think you can come in here right and tell all these people all these freshmen how to do stuff but we've been here for three years and we know how you know da 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 and he patiently listened to us and he tried to give us you know some room to hang ourselves but ultimately at the end of the year we graduated we never thought about um marching man again <laughs> thank god and he went on and as far as i know is still teaching there but that's all i can think of sometimes when i see this coach is like this team has what 11 guys or something like that 14 guys that have been around you mm-hmm. know almost everybody on the team was drafted by the kings almost all of them came up under sutter and lombardi or you know and knew john stevens john stevens been here longer than everybody but dustin brown yeah and now, right, Stevens got fired, Sutter got fired, and now they've got this new guy who doesn't even have a contract past April. April 6th, I believe, yeah. is the last game of the season. <laughs> I'm not saying that I know for a fact that they are behaving the way me and my friends did in our senior year of high school, right. <laughs> but I would not be the least bit surprised if a guy like Jeff Carter or Andre Kopitar or Drew Doughty or Jonathan Quaker, Dustin Brown, who have contracts – that extend four, five, six years from now, some of them with no trade clauses, some of them with no movement clauses. Like, let's say they don't like the way the the cut of this guy's jib is. Yeah, it's probably a they rather than a we. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And you can see it, right? Like, that's how you get, oh, they beat one team four to nothing one night and then they lose, you know, seven to one um, another night. I mean, that's like, it's just not that much of a mystery to me anymore. Like, that... That whatever's going on with this team is not talent. I mean, we've said it time and time again, but it's obviously not talent. It's obviously whatever the heck is going on, whether it's the power void left by the firing of Lombardi, whether it's, you know, spoiled players who had a disciplinarian coach for so long, you know, now they've run rampant and they don't listen to anybody, whether it's just a bad mix of personalities, which is a hundred percent, a thing that might not be anybody's fault. I mean, have you ever been caught on a road trip with people and 30 minutes into it, you're like, Oh God, it's going to be a long trip. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you're not going to like punch the guy out, but you're also not going to go win a Stanley cup together. Right. Yeah. Right. um, I mean, but there's pure frustration. Like you, you watch the display from Jonathan quick at the mm -hmm. Colorado game. Like there's pure frustration because the team is not playing together. They're not supporting each other. Uh, So it's, it's one of those things where, I see it in a sense. I see what you're saying. But then in another flip side, you've got these players that are that are professionals and and they I, I, I don't think that anybody gives up. Like they just say, Hey, you know what, this year we're just not in it. Um but then when you see a display like Jonathan Quick just like busting his stick because he's pissed, uh it's it's a it's a different uh it's a different feel. Like you feel like this team wants to turn around, and they just don't know how. They've lost it. Yeah. Well, that's right. Like that's why teams pay a lot of money 
for good coaching and and a good front office right like and i'm not saying that the kings don't have a good front office i'm just saying it's a new front office it's a different front office and it's still very much the old front office's team Mm -hmm. and you know i tweeted uh yesterday (laughs) i didn't explain it i wanted i wanted to see if there'd be any reaction but i tweeted i know everybody's seen miracle but i wonder if anybody watched it because to me that movie is a perfect summation of what i think every sports fan should know by now but seems to never ever internalize and whether it's the phrase will beat skill or you know uh defense wins championships Mm -hmm. or you know don't be a sore winner right like there's a million different phrases that sort of hint around it but the notion the, the general notion is that it, you don't win by putting together a collection of the most talented players right you know and i've said this before i'd rather have a dozen trevor lewis's than a dozen first overall draft picks and that's why that's why i push back against the lose for hughes crowd right jack hughes may be a phenomenal hockey player Go ahead and look, because I looked, I looked this up this weekend, and it blew my mind. Because for a long time, I'd seen people say, yeah, okay, Patrick Kane was the last first-round draft pick to win the Stanley Cup. But generally speaking, first-round draft picks don't win the Stanley Cup. And I was like, no, that's not true. Like, that's just because Edmonton picked first a lot, and, you know, yeah, Edmonton yeah. sucks. But I looked at it, and it's like, Patrick Kane won it three times, okay. Uh, Sidney Crosby won it three times, okay. Alex Ovechkin so far has won recently yeah like last year (laughs) 15 years into his career right and after that man go look down the list of first overall draft picks there's a lot of guys who never even took a sniff at it um in fact you know what i'm gonna look it up right now i'm just gonna go down the list just for just for s and giggles um and so like you know i guess what i'm getting at is these things that we you know yeah quick frustrated and yeah Dowdy doesn't know what to make of this because right because he's always been in his NHL career he's always been on a team that had this sort of stuff taken care of um and now we're seeing this is why I harped all last year about identity and I'd say yeah the Kings say they want to improve their offense but they don't want to turn their back on their defensive identity but their defensive identity is like it's not <laughs> people talk about identity as if it's the sort of thing you can just slough off and be like Okay, well, yesterday I was this, but today right, I was right. no, 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 no. If you want to convert to a new religion, it takes time. Yeah. If you want to, you know, uh, it's the best example you could give right there. Yeah, like it. You can't just turn around and be like, okay, well, today, I'm this now. Today I'm a hockey fan, but tomorrow I'm a basketball fan. Basketball right. fans are gonna look at you and go like, okay, but what about you know, explain a pick and roll to me, or you know, what's space and pace, or yeah. blah blah blah. And like, I don't even know what those things mean. I just listen to a lot of podcasts. But anyways, you, first round. You watch Space Jam. <laughs> uh first all the draft picks uh going backwards okay so i don't think you can really count the last four or five years because they'd be too young so i'm gonna start with 2012 um i don't know i'll start with 2013 nathan mckinnon colorado colorado avalanche avalanche don't like yeah they've got one great line but they've been up and down i don't have any expectation of them somehow yeah turning into a contender anytime soon. Edmonton, Nail Yakupov, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Taylor Hall. As we've mentioned, Edmonton, not good. So yeah. toss all those first-round <laughs> draft picks out. 
John Tavares, 2009, winds up in Toronto. Maybe the next one? Could be, yeah. But, but I mean, Toronto's having one good year and everybody's ready to crown them cup champs. Like, I've heard that story before. Yeah. We'll see. Patrick Kane, Steven Stamkos, Eric Johnson, Sidney Crosby, Alexander Ovechkin. Okay, Mark andre Fleury, that was the other one. All the guys that wound up in Pittsburgh, yeah, sure, they won. Yeah, they yeah. Won the cup. Um, Rick Nash, Ilya Kovalchuk, Rick DiPietro, Patrick Steffen, Vincent LeCavalier won at once, Joe Thornton, Chris Phillips, Brian Burrard, Ed Jovanovsky, Alexander Daig, Roman Hammerlick, stop me when you get tired of cup winners, <laughs> Eric Lindros, Owen Nolan, Matt Sundin, Mike Madonna won at once, Pierre Turgeon, Joe Murphy, Wendell Clark, off the top of my head, I don't think Wendell Clark ever won it, and then 1984, Mario, Mario yeah. Lemieux. Um, 83, Brian Lawton, 82, Gord Kluzak. You're far enough back to where, I mean... The you, point is... You've gone back 30 years and yeah. you got a handful. <clears throat> yeah. So, and 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 let's face it, Flurry and Crosby didn't do it alone. Right? Like, they had Malkin. They right. had, uh, what's his name, the defenseman, Latang. Then for mm-hmm. the other two, they had Kessel, who, you know, like... Major part of it. Yeah, so, I mean, Ovechkin's probably the only guy on there where you'd look at it and you'd go, okay... Who else did he have with him? But again, he, by the time he did win it, he had guys with him. Right. So, And he was a pure veteran anyway. Like, yeah. he had 15 years under his belt right. that, that helped him get him there. But, I mean, and my argument during the playoffs was that he wasn't even, like, I know that he won the uh, con Smythe. But he just wasn't the most important player on that team. Like, I will fight no. anybody yep. about that. Like Orlov, or not Orlov, uh, Kuznetsov was better. Mm-hmm. Wilson was huge. Holtby's phenomenal. Right. Like, to say that somehow, oh, well, In the you know, it just took Ovechkin, you know, 15 years to learn how to blah, 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 blah. Like, no, it took the team 15 years to right. put a team. So, anyway, I'm getting angry at nothing now. <laughs> <laughs> but this is my point is, like, I see all these conversations about, oh, you know, the coach and the lineup and this, that, and the other thing. And it's like, no, man, whatever's happening with this team is not – it's not as simple as whatever you think it is. There's something – right? They need – They've clearly abandoned their old identity, right? That the Lombardi era is done, Sutter era is done, right? The players don't no longer behave under the same rules that they did under that leadership, and now the front office has got to figure out what's the new Kings identity. And I don't mean on the ice, right? I don't mean, oh, do they forecheck? Do they play the left wing lock? Do they, you know? You know, what does the F3 do on a you know breakout? Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> that, right. That'll sort itself out. I'm talking like, who are they? Right. And that's not going to be answered because we know there's trades coming up. We know that there's there's going to be a shift in talent. And there's probably so, going to be a new coach. Yeah. So there's, I mean, there's just going to be a different team all next year anyway. And yeah. that's for them to figure out. So thinking that, thinking at this point, you're going to figure it out in the next two months and be ready for next year. Right. It's going to be a different team next year. So um that's kind of out the window too and it's just going to have to be off season and working through the the beginning of the season next year to to kind of build what that identity is going to be and hopefully it's something more towards where they want to go and not trying to bridge the gap anymore because you don't need to you're you're going to lose a lot of the pieces that were under the old regime anyway so um so that that means that kind of takes us into Next week, we got one game left before the All-Star break yeah. with the Blues. That's right. Most people, the game might have been played by the time people even listen to this. That's true. That's true. So yeah. that should be done, and then we'll be on All-Star break. Yeah. Which begs the question, is Dowdy the best representation <laughs> for the Kings? I mean, I think everybody knows no. <laughs> uh, Not this year. No, but but 
again, you have to know what the goal is before you criticize the attempt. Right? This is the same thing I say about coaching. Same thing, you know, this is, this is sort of a, a thought process that I've adopted within the last few years of my life. And I wish I could remember where I heard this or who I heard saying it, but they were basically saying, we, we do a lot of things in life and we lie to ourselves about why we do them, right? Collectively, I don't even mean individually, like the, the general consensus on why things are done isn't true and we don't ever talk about it. And the best example, the guy I gave, I wish I wish I could remember who was saying it, but that but he said basically like why do you go to college? And the argument that is given for why people go to college is, well, you learn how to learn, you expand your mind, you get life experience, you you know like that sort of like noble, mm -hmm. you know, well-rounded human being, you know right. the the modern you know man, the the learn Renaissance to, man, blah yeah. blah blah. Build that. Said all that's garbage. Yeah. You could go to any school you want and you could audit every class for free. All that information is available for you to learn. If you want to expand your consciousness, you can go do things to do that. If you want to get experience, you can go be a merchant marine or join the military or travel. You know what I mean? Like there's a million different things you could do that would that would more easily and more uh, less expensively right. than going to get a degree. So, I made money in the Navy, so there you, there you go. <laughs> um, you know, I went to Alaska, right? Yeah. Like people do different things. Um, and he said then the other, then the retort to that is always, yeah, well, okay, but you're getting an education. You know, an education's important to better yourself or whatever. And he said most people don't get jobs within the field that they study. I think most people don't get a career right, in, right. you know, if you're an English major or a French literature major. Unless you're like a civil engineer or something where you need are, that knowledge. Yeah. Sure, but those are usually come with advanced degrees, right? right? We're just talking about like a four-year liberal arts education. And he said the reality that most people don't say, say is you go to school to prove to future employers that you're reliable. And you get a grade so that you can be ranked amongst your comp your competitors for jobs to say this is where I rank right. in the job force of reliability, <laughs> right. uh, you know, which is ridiculous on so many levels. But this is this is how good I am at receiving instructions, completing instructions, and doing it routinely. And he said that's really what we're talking about, and it's fine. There's no there should be no shame in it. But we have this. But anyway, the point is we have this. You can get that same paper to Folsom. But <laughs> but we have this whole like societal expectation of what this is about, and it's really nothing. So when we look at the All Star Game, it's a long way of getting to this point. The All Star Game is not about putting together a team of players who are having the best season. The All Star Game is about putting together a team of players who are recognizable enough that people will tune in and watch, so that the sponsors in the league can make some extra money. And that's again perfectly fine. I like the All Star Game. I find the All-Star game entertaining. I love the fact that they switched it to three-on-three. Three. I wish they would tweak the skills contest a little bit. But, like, I have no problem admitting that the All-Star game is just a catalog for hockey fans to buy stuff. Like, I, right. I'm perfectly fine with that. Right. When I was a kid, I used to love getting the extra-sized Christmas Sears catalogs that had all the toys and there were pages on pages you could flip through and you could say, oh, my God, look at all the toy options. I love I knew I wasn't getting all the toys. 
But, you know, I can watch the All-Star game and I can go, ooh, Connor McDavid, ooh, Drew Doughty, ooh, Brent Burns, ooh, Eric Carlson, right? Like, I'm going to know all the names. Yeah. And, yeah, and so Drew Doughty is the king's toy, right? He's the he's the, the name. Uh, if you can only send one guy, and let's face it, this year you can only send one guy. Um, well, with this season, yeah, I no, would but hope that's so. What, but that's what I this mean. This <laughs> season should be no guys, but, but you gotta <laughs> under send, this, you got to yeah. send one. And, you know, you're not going to send Quick. He's been hurt a little bit. You're not going to send Kopitar, right? He's underperforming. Brown's not the same kind of, of flashy name that Drew Doughty is. And as much as I like Jake Muzzin and as much as I think he probably belongs to be there, Drew Doughty's won the Norris Trophy. Drew Doughty's on Team Canada. Drew Doughty's second overall draft pick. You know, Drew Doughty is Drew Doughty. For that, I, I would say... I get that. Like, I get that point. Yeah. In the skills competition, because that's, I mean, he plays in the game, and, and that's probably the best use of Drew Doughty is put him in yeah. on three on three, Agreed. and that's that's where he's going to excel. In the skills competition, he looks miserable. <laughs> like, he, every year they put him in that passing, that passing skills uh, assessment, and yeah. he just doesn't do well at it, <laughs> and they give every time. They right, give rightly so. Him stuff every time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I gotta edit that out. I guess. <laughs> um, no, look. I. I mean, this is one of my biggest complaints about the skills competition. As much as I enjoy it, is that you're exactly right. The all stars are not there because they're good at specific skills. They're there because they're stars for whatever reason, right? You know, Drew Doughty. I love Drew Doughty. I think he's phenomenal. But there isn't a diving to block up a pass skill mm-hmm. in the skills yeah. competition, right? Um. I have long said that I either want the entire NHL, whether it's in training camp or some weekend during their season, now that they have bye weeks, maybe they should do it during the bye week. Although I guess with the scheduling, that wouldn't necessarily work. But I've long said I want every team to do their own skills competition because whoever has the hardest slap shot in the league might not be an all-star. Might not even be a guy we've heard, right? It could be like the third pair D on the Florida Panthers, and I don't even know what his name is. But if every team in training camp did their hardest shot, fastest skater, da-da-da-da-da, and then those players got to go to the All-Star weekend with the All-Stars. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine Austin Wagner in the fastest skating competition. Right. That'd be great. It'd be phenomenal. You know, and and even guys in the minors like bring Kevin or uh, not Kevin. I keep calling him Kevin Curtis McDermott up for the hardest shot right. competition, right? Like, why not? Right? Yeah. Why do I care who like, the fastest skater amongst a bunch amongst a bunch of guys who aren't the fastest skater? Right. Right. Or, exactly. Doesn't matter to me. Yeah, and, but that's and, it's, and it and it's kind of like the and it's it's a different analogy, but it's kind of like the John Scott story, right? Where it's you got a guy that really isn't the all-star but had the story the nhl even tried to fight to keep him out of it and then i still don't think they were wrong (laughs) and then i mean but you want to talk about merchandise people are buying john scott jerseys because of the story and yeah it was it was just a fun story to to watch him make it through um but but other things like i want to see the hardest shot get beat and i don't care how big the name is right i want to see shots over 100 miles an hour and I want to see holes in the back of the net. That's all I want to see. I don't care who does it. I don't care whose name is on the back of the jersey. Right. But sweater. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Foxy. Um, so that uh, that that's kind of my my whole thing with you know right. the the whole popularity contest of the marketing aspect of it. 
Um, but on the on the flip side, like if you were going to make one change to the skills competition, what would it be? Just one. Only one. I would get rid of the the uh, the relay. Okay. Right? Yeah. Be- because I don't care who the fastest skater is. I don't care who has the hardest shot. I don't care who's the most accurate. Blah 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 blah. But at least those are singular skills where I can go. Okay, I'm rooting for this guy because whatever right i he's doing something funny or he's got a good personality or he's brought his kid with him and his kid's cute or he's from my division but the relay when you have 12 different guys doing three four or five different things and your team gets hung up because you know drew dowdy can't hit a basket from right 40 feet away right i just to me it's just it's boring and it's the sort of thing that that is sometimes over before long before the actual event is over right like you know one team comes out and crushes it and then the next team comes out and somebody stumbles off the line or you know the guys it's always that one dumb thing in the middle where they're trying to hit the tiny little nets yeah the passing drill yeah. it's like and but you have to sit there and watch it until it's over and you're like all right 20 seconds behind the other like yeah what are we doing this for nobody remembers three days later nobody remembers who wins it right like three hours later nobody remembers who wins it so So i'm not sure that and i just saw the the they just released the um the format Uh and i'm not sure that the relay is part of it anymore because the score sheet is all individual there's six skills it's all individuals um score sheets Uh so i don't know 100 percent, but i believe that's not part of it anymore so that you're now judging people on that passing drill. You're judging people on the skating drill. And uh, and then each person get wins $25,000. Like the winner of each category is going to win twenty five grand. All right, so we've got the the Bridgestone NHL Fastest Skater. Yeah. Fine with that. It's smart naming. And, the, and... <laughs> uh, the Enterprise Premier Passer. Eight players will compete in the Enterprise Premier Passer, which consists of three skills over one round including one, the breakout pass, where each player is given 10 pucks to attempt to make a pass to three players, two, mini nets, which is the the part that I hate, where each player must complete a pass over a barricade into each of four mini nets, and three, target passing, where each player must complete successful passes to all our targets that randomly light up every three seconds. Then the save streak, that's a goalie thing. Uh, which is how the AHL did theirs last year. Yeah. And then the puck control, I don't really care about that one either, the stick handling, the hardest shot. I mean, let's face it, the skills competition is basically boring. (laughs) Yeah. So I would say my change would be that, like, I love the shootout competition where you just had funny stuff and costumes. And I don't know if you're into that. Like, part of me says that's not a Jesse thing, but... uh, I, I thought those were fun. That's like that's what gets the crowd in. And like when someone brings their kid in to do the shot and the goalie plays along. Right. And there's nothing that the goalie's losing by letting the shot go in, but the kid's like lose his mind. You're right in that it's not a me thing, but at least in my mind it's honest. Right. right? It is what it is. Right? This exists for the players to show off their personality. It's goofy. Everybody's having fun. So great. Wonderful. Have fun. I don't care. I'll watch it because I'm a degenerate, you know, NHL addict. And part of me will roll my eyes and go, <laughs> okay. The, you know. the purest of Cohen. Is- <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, when Ovechkin, was it Ovechkin who put on the um, 
the hat, the goofy cowboy yeah. hat, and then the whole thing like fine. Or Kessler brought his kid out, and then later, uh, I think Monahan picked up Goudreau as if he was a yeah, yeah. like love it. <laughs> Those Perfect, are great, perfectly fine. And I would even say at this point, you know, do something with the mascots, right? Like have a do a skills competition, but have one player from each team and their mascot, right? Like passing competition, fine, but the people you have to pass for are the mascots. Yeah. Right. Or yeah. the or the goalie save streak. Let the mascots shoot on the goal. Yeah. I don't know. Like we can it, afford this to the NHL. Well, I think but, this I'm, is but great. the point is, like, if you're gonna do something goofy, do something goofy. Don't don't give me a three tiered passing. You know, relay. No, it's not a relay anymore. But like, it's gonna take forever, and it's gonna be. Oh, it's gonna be so boring because well, who cares that's about the thing. passing? That's the thing. Is like you're you're trying. Uh, I think you're trying to give the fans every element of the game, but at the same time, if you don't make it fun and enjoyable to watch, then like you're saying, who who cares? Who cares about that passing? It probably the passing one is probably the hardest one because you're always gonna get someone that has a tough time going from side to side into a mini net. Well, and also let's face it, these guys. I don't know about everybody else, but. Nobody will have played since Wednesday night. So they'll all have had 48 hours off. Some of them will have gone out and had some fun the night before. Absolutely. If not that morning. And rightfully so. This is not a critique. I'm just saying, like, hardest shot is the hardest shot. You know what I mean? Like, you shoot as hard as you shoot. It doesn't require a ton of concentration or focus. Yeah. Fastest skater, you're fast or you're not, right? Like Austin Wagner always says, never took any power skating courses. Never had any training. He's just, you know, he's a freak of nature, right? The dude has an unbelievable vertical leap, and he skates like the wind, right? Yeah. His thighs are tree trunks. What are you going to do? Yeah. Passing over barricades and hitting targets that light up, that's right. focus. That's 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 not – Yeah. that just seems mean to me. And it's not fun. <laughs> no. It's not fun. And 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 ultimately, you want to market the the players and you want to build them up. You got to build their personalities, and I think that's one thing the NHL is doing better at. But the reason why marketing works in sports is because you have faces of a sport. Yeah. And this is like the All Star Weekend should be building up those faces so they're recognizable outside of the sport, mm. right? And you, and you got to build personalities that are as big or bigger than the sport itself. So. Um, NHL could do better into that, and these skills competitions, as they stand, uh, when you get away from the things like that shootout thing, it's it's just it's it's technical for the case of being technical, but it's not technical for the case of being fun. Yeah, like I said, I'm fine with most of it. It's just the ones that are just dreary. I'm yeah. just like, what are we what are we doing here? But whatever, I'd probably do no better if I was in charge of it. So we're coming out of NHL All Star. Up in San Jose, mm. a horrible place all in itself. But uh, <laughs> that gives us a little over two months left of hockey. Yeah. Um, trade deadline being February 25th, which we have oh, three, four, five, about 10 games prior to. Um, what do you think happens in the first, uh, like in those 10 games? Like, what are you expecting out of those 10 games? And then what do you think? I, and, and aside from trades and everything else that's going to happen, because there's, 50,000 forums online that are yeah. talking about the trades. What do you want to see after trade deadline? What do you want to see from the rest of the season? Oh, man, you're asking me that question. Yeah. Um, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> is that is that too rough an answer? Um, it's honest. Yeah, I mean, it depends on what they – it depends on how many trades happen. 
and it depends on what kind of players they acquire. Because I've heard a ton of people say that the way the league is situated right now, as far as teams and their standings, it's a buyer's market, and not a lot of teams are going to be selling, and, and you know, blah, blah, blah. And we even talked to John Rosen the other day, and he said the only teams that are going to be looking to acquire significant help are well-established veteran teams and that all these other teams are young and they want to you know they're not looking for flash in the pan help they're looking to establish themselves over the long run that to me sounds like a reasonable assumption if the league were run by 31 totally competent gms with full job security who knew exactly what they were doing and weren't prone to any kind of mistakes of judgment. I don't think GM and job security go together. No, (laughs) neither does knowing what you're doing and not being prone to lapses of judgment. Like, and I don't say that I'm not, I don't say that to be dismissive of the guys who are doing the job. I just think it's a really difficult job. You You can look at another player on another team and think to yourself, he's very good he does everything that we don't or does many of the things that we don't do. Adding him to our team would bolster our strengths, you know, reduce our weaknesses, and we would be better for having gotten him. And they go out and trade him, and all of a sudden, he's a completely different player because he's not surrounded by the same talent. He's right. not getting the same minutes. Personalities don't click. This is the wrong kind of coach for him. Whatever it is, like every year, some defenseman gets traded for a first round pick. Every year, some team in first place goes out and gets three new players and goes, "I don't understand what happened. We changed twenty five percent of our team, and and we didn't have the same success we did in the first part right. of the season." So, I mean, I fully expect there to be a ton of dumb trades. And and I referenced it even earlier. The Central Division is full of teams that could easily make the playoffs or easily miss the playoffs. So the Western Conference, let me look at the standings real quick here. I think there's like seven teams that are a point in or a point out, either way you dice it. And, you know, just, just take a look at, at Anaheim. They just lost, how many did they lose in a row? 12, 13, something like that. Yeah. And everyone's like, you're going to fire the coach? And the general manager's like, nah. Yeah. No, we're not going to fire the coach. We're fine. <laughs> well, okay. Anaheim's uh, one, one point out of the playoffs. Right. You're going to tell me that they're not going to go ahead and try and bolster their lineup to try and make the playoffs? Right. Why, why wouldn't they? What evidence do you have that suggests that yeah. Anaheim isn't going to do whatever it takes to make them to make less? Minnesota, one point out of the playoffs. Really? They're just going to eat that huge contract that they gave to Parise and Suter all those years ago and miss right. the playoffs? Right. I, I don't think so. <laughs> nope. Vancouver, sure. You tell me they're building you know, for the future and they want to make sure that they're good and young. They're one point in the playoffs with a dynamite rookie. And the playoffs means an extra million dollars per uh, per game, right? In, t- mm-hmm. in ticket revenue. Why wouldn't they trade for Jake Muzzin or or a goalie, right? Like, yeah. well, I don't know. I don't understand. Like Dallas, one point in the playoffs. Their G- their their CEO, not CEO, um, CFO, whoever yeah. it was that came right. out and said it, just came out and said our best players are you know and use the language that I'm gonna not gonna use here. Like, you're gonna tell me that Dallas is gonna risk missing the playoffs? Because it might mean one questionable trade that brings in a 29-year-old defenseman with one year's worth of term left on his salary. Like, no way. Colorado. Colorado's one point in a playoff spot. Um, on the East Coast, 
Buffalo with Jack Eichel, uh, four points out of a playoff spot. You don't think Buffalo's desperate, desperate yeah. to make it into the playoffs after all this year, right. right? Like Montreal, Pittsburgh, Washington, Boston, Toronto, the team that everybody's so sure is going to win the Stanley Cup. Toronto is six points ahead of Buffalo in a playoff spot. I think Buffalo's in the Atlantic, right? You gonna tell me that Toronto is just so sure, you know, <laughs> sixteen points behind Tampa Bay and only four points out of you know, like really? Right, right. They're not they're not gonna go ahead and trade one of their eighty million forwards under the age of twenty four. Like so maybe I'm wrong, maybe everybody's right, but as I always say, when everybody says the same thing, they're usually wrong. So this notion that somehow I'm angry tonight, James. <laughs> I love it. Enough. I love it. The um, fire. This notion that somehow... I love that you said when everybody is, says the same thing, they're wrong. It's, it's true. I don't care what anybody says. That's so only a few rules that I adhere to in life. And when everybody agrees, it's generally wrong. Um, so, I mean, so so to answer your question, what happens? If they wind up with a bunch of draft picks, which is what I would hope, right? Like, I hope right. that they go ahead and turn every asset they've got into picks and guys that are either on their way out, you know, expiring contracts or, you know, for example, if Hagelin had one year left on his deal, instead of being an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year, I'm fine. Right. Like let's fill this team with Michael Hanzuses and Ladislav Nagy's and, uh, and prizing whose first name I forget and Kyle Calder. And for all of those who wonder what the heck I'm talking about in 2006, Dean Lombardi went out, signed five guys in one day and said, yeah, we're going to be competitive. We got this. We are going to rebuild, but we're going to re- be competitive while we do it. And the next year, they finished second over, second in the bottom, right. <laughs> second to last. Right. And everyone was like, "What are you talking about, competitive?" <laughs> That's what I'm looking for. Bring me in some classy veterans who will not disappoint the fans, who will go out there, play hard, and and not make you embarrassed when they lose. To finish out the season. To finish out the season, right? That's fine. If if if. Moving forward, that's what the roster is mostly comprised of. I'm okay with that. Get me as many picks as you can, because like I said, I don't care about Jack Hughes. Right? I'm not going to cry if they get Jack Hughes, but I don't I don't think Jack Hughes is the, you know, people are like, oh, man, if we get Andrzej Kopitar as our number one and Jack Hughes is our number two, that's another 10 years of, like, no, no, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I'm not. <laughs> that's not where it's at. I mean, maybe, maybe, but I'm not. You know, putting that on my dream board at home, right? Like, right. I'm not. Give me four first round draft picks. Give me three first round draft picks and three second round draft picks. Right. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Because it's all a crapshoot, and give me as many rolls really of the is. dice as you can. Yeah. And then after that, I want to see. I want to see the guys in the uniform. You know, I just want to see good hockey. Yeah. Win or lose. Right. I, that's all I really care about. Um, and if everybody's right and it is a buyer's market and the Kings don't make significant trade, like let's say they only make one trade. Then. OK, the draft will be a lot of fun because <laughs> that's because that'll be the next. Essentially, the next trade deadline is the draft. Right. Which I don't see. Like, I, I really see there's going to be other things. Oh, I see what you're saying. Making trades. To get more picks at that point. Yeah, like if, yeah. If, if nothing happens at the deadline, in between now and the deadline, 
then presumably something will happen between May and, and July 1st. Right, or, right. Or not July 1st, June, for June the whatever draft. the draft is. Yeah, that I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. So I, I, I love that thought, and I'm excited, too, because having a deeper system and, and building people internally, I think – it, it has been the, the thought process and, and now having it here in Ontario and now practicing all at TSC, like it's, it's, uh, it's the best time, I think, in the last decade for us to be in a position to do that. So that, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if that's the focus and, and going off what uh, Rosen was talking about on the last show about, you know, possibly six, eight uh, players moving. Yeah. Like that's, that would be, uh, That'd be make for a really good draft if if that was the focus. I mean, when Lombardi took over, there were all sorts of moves. I mean, in my memory, it's more than it was. It's probably three or four. But he came in and it was like Matthew Schneider got traded, Lubinovir Viznovsky got traded. I want to say Sean Avery was a Lombardi trade, uh, traded away. I mean. mm-hmm. Yeah, and and there was a point where it was like okay. You know, in, in you know, they'd get three first round draft picks or or two first round. You know, like they had Bernier and Lewis in the same first round, and it was great, right? You get a bunch of first rounds, you get a bunch of second rounds. Kyle Clifford was a second round pick. Wayne Simmons was a second round pick. Tyler Toffoli was a second round pick. You know, well, that's exciting too. It's like I didn't realize that excitement till the last couple of years because it it just wasn't in our world. I mean, right. those picks were gone, but. Um, and you know, Velarde will work out the way he works out, but but the moment he was he was selected eleventh overall to to join the Kings, like that was for me was a very exciting moment. And I look forward to more of those and and seeing guys develop in the system, then going to Ontario and watching them play, and then uh, and then bringing them up. Let me ask you this: this is yeah, an insane notion that my <clears throat> father suggested to me. I love your dad, by the way. I do too. Turns out. <laughs> Turns out. Yeah. <laughs> he pitched me this idea. And my first response was, shut up. Like, stop. <laughs> shut up. It's too early. I'm not listening to this. But the more he talked about it, the more I started going like, oh man. All right. All right, maybe. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch you the idea. Let's say the Kings finish. Well, forget it. Let's doesn't even matter where they're gonna finish. Let's say at the trade deadline. Okay. Would you offer up the Kings' first-round draft pick on the condition that the team taking it had to take two other players with the pick, and they could be any two players you want? So you could give them the choices of who they have to take. No. They have to take the guys you're saying. And you, I'm saying you get to pick. So if there's anybody on the team right now that has a contract that you think is difficult to move or would be hard to trade, and let's not get into those names. Okay. I'm just saying, yeah. hypothetically, right. would you offer up the first-round pick as a tandem deal with the player that you are no longer interested in the Kings keeping? That's fascinating. Right? <laughs> like I said, my first reaction was, no, shut up, stop. I'm not listening to you. I would say no. Okay. Uh, because for the sole notion that I think the Kings can do more uh-huh. with the coaching staff and how they develop players with what we would do with that first-round pick, uh-huh. 
versus... Keep in mind, you're getting something back in the trade, right? Like, you can, you know, it could be, for example, you could go to Anaheim and you could say, look, we'll trade our first-round pick and player A and player B for your first-round pick. I mean, we're going to have a better pick, so. Yeah. No, no, I mean, but I'm saying, like, you're not just oh. you're not just cannibalizing the pick to get rid of salary. Right. You're making a trade. It's just you're trading your most valuable asset in order to also trade your least valuable assets. And what you think the least valuable assets are would change from person to person. But. I know where my initial thought is. I'm dying to hear what your dad's sell point was on this. Well, his his argument is essentially what I said earlier, which is the first overall pick doesn't guarantee you a cup. Doesn't. So the difference between, you know, a first overall pick and a 13th overall pick, part of it is scouting, part of it is development, part of it is just a crapshoot, right? You look at, you know, some guy like Andre Kopitar was taken 11 in the same draft that Sidney Crosby was taken number 1. But every guy two through ten, I mean, they've had fine careers, but like Jack Johnson, Bobby Ryan, um, you know, fine. Uh, but the other eight guys whose names I'm blanking on at the moment as I quickly try and look it up, <laughs> you know. Uh, Bobby Ryan should have been better than him when he turned out to be. Okay, but, but so should Alexander Degg. Yeah. <laughs> like, so should I mean, Roman but look Hammer. what happened with the 190th pick. You know, you're I pointing mean, at the Luke Robitaille statue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, but that's my point, right? So my my dad's point is just somebody will always overpay for the first overall pick, right? So right. if you're going to get them to overpay at this point, wouldn't an overpayment be more valuable if it meant <laughs> taking away rather than giving back? Right, right. Oh my god, um, it's an interesting. <laughs> it is, it's, and it, it really comes down to what you feel is going to be there, and if you could really screw. <laughs> Team over. So so here we go. 2005. Sidney Crosby. Yeah. Bobby Ryan. Jack Johnson. Benoit Puglio at number four. Okay. Carey Price. Right. Uh, Gilbert Brule. Jack Skilly. Devin Setaguchi. Brian Lee. Luke Bordon. Are you going to tell me that any of those teams other than Pittsburgh... Well, in Montreal, maybe. Wouldn't mm-hmm. rather have had Andre Kopitar at number 11. And I'm not saying that every year number 11 is better than number one. I'm just saying, like, right. it's a crapshoot. It and is. So you'd be getting a first-round draft pick back, maybe. I mean, right? Yeah. I'm just saying. It's an interesting. It is a fascinating thought. Well, we'll just have to see. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean it'll never happen. We've got but... uh, we've got three weeks before trade deadline. Or Four weeks. Let me ask you a second question. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. And I'll, and I'll ask you the same question I asked Rosen, which is how many first-round draft picks would you have to get back to give up the first overall? If we got into the ballpark yeah. of three, yeah, I would be happy. That sounds about right to me. And they'd have to be – at least one of them would have to be top ten. Right, like I'm not taking the 28th, the 29th, and the 30th. Right, right. For the first, it'd have to be. I like would have to be in the, the seventh, the 15th, and the 23rd, or something like that. I'd have to. I'd have to say the first pick would be within the first 12, um, because I think I think you have your first tier of one, two, three, and those right. are gone. I mean, you're giving that away anyway. Right. So you're not going to be there. So anything from four to eight, nine. Yeah. All right. Um, but then 
9 to 12, what's the difference? Not much. So I would say it depends on Yeah, so if you're <laughs> yeah, available. if you're in there and you could yeah. you could spread them out but you had the I mean, you owned the first round, then I think at three picks, I would be happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fascinating thought. Yeah. I mean, like I said. <laughs> if it could happen. It never happened, and that's fine. Uh, what are the we... most first-round picks the team's ever had that you can remember? I mean, L.A. had three in 2003. I feel like – didn't Vegas have three last year? I think they were about th- – yeah. I feel like Vegas had three. I think they had th- two or three in the first couple rounds where they were just picking. Yeah. But other than – I don't think anybody's – I'm sure I'm wrong, but I don't think anybody's had more than three. I can't think of anybody that's ever had more than three. I feel like Boston had three recently, but I couldn't pinpoint when. We'll have to look that up. Yeah. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. But we got uh, we got a couple weeks to watch watch, yeah. watch it all play out. Yeah, the next two weeks after this St. Louis game uh, – be an awful lot of Ontario rain games for you yeah. truly. <laughs> well then I'll see you there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Kings fans. Thanks for tuning in. Uh we appreciate uh the follows and the listens. Um Jesse, why don't you walk us through how we can uh we can lead people to all the Kingsmen? Well, you can subscribe or stream at LAKings.com slash podcast. And hey, there's a whole new way to listen to all the Kingsmen on the iHeartRadio app. And uh there's the live channel or the on-demand channel which is basically uh, just a way to download anything you hear on the live channel. And that's episodes of All the King's Men, but also Rain Broadcasts, King Broadcast, King's Broadcasts, uh, the new Rain podcast that Cameron Close and Zach Dooley did. It was a, a really good conversation with Mikey Asimont, um, which I highly recommend you go listen to. And like I said, you can find that on the On Demand channel at uh, iHeartRadio. So excited for iHeartRadio channel. It's, uh, it's been pretty awesome. Well, Kings fans, thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.